Tom was looking for some frozen pizza deep in his freezer the other night, and underneath a, a double pep, double cheese, and mushroom, found this box. He thawed it out, opened it up, and found this episode from January of 2023. Welcome to the session. There was once an individual who said, there's peer pressure, but there's also peer priority. Gee, where have I heard that before? (laughs) Where faith and life connect. I think I just heard a whole bunch of people yell amen. (laughs) Yeah, hallelujah, I hope so. A time to explore issues facing the family today. Marriage is about what can I look at inside of me and take care of in me to offer to my spouse a better me. And where it's okay to laugh a little. It is so good to hear you say that, to hear someone else preach that message. It is. Well, again, for years, I've heard you preach it. (laughs) It's finally soaking in. (laughs) Yes, the celebration of success. (laughs) Welcome to the session on Rise FM. This is where faith and life connect. It's the session here on Rise FM. I am Scott, and here with Tom, our life coach. And it's love month here on the session. How we doing? Good. You know, it's one of my favorite months on our show. Gee, I don't understand why. why. (laughs) That's right. Not like it's your anniversary and wait a minute, both birthdays? And both birthdays. You get it all out of the way. Now you're safe till Christmas. That's true. (laughs) So February is our month of celebration in our marriage. And then the month of March is our bankruptcy month when we pay for all of what we've done in, in February. So today on the session, we are going to continue our celebration of Love Month and talk about the relationship between premarital counseling and marital success, a report that we're gleaning partly from the academic journal. So I guess I should sit up straight and (laughs) straighten my collar. All right, before we dive into that, Tom, we dive into God's Word. And let's do that, Scott. Out of Proverbs 13, verse 20, walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. And so basically what we're saying is, let's get some wisdom as you head into marriage. Get people that you trust as a support system. I think it's incredibly important. And one real way to do it, I can speak for at Heritage that I do, is, and we'll talk more about prepare, the tool that's used to assess the relationship. It also produces a relationship with the couple and I that they feel trusted and they trust. And after they say I do in the first few years of marriage, they feel very comfortable and saying, hey, you know what? We're still figuring out which end of the toilet paper goes first, you know. Is yeah, up or down. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And can we come in and talk? And so we do, you know. <laughs> I give them my answer and no. Yeah. <laughs> And you've probably had those kind of things where couples just get all bent out of shape over where where you get the toothpaste from. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh, and yeah, yeah. how do you squeeze it? You haven't gotten any emails from Sherry about that yet, have you? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> Good. Yeah. All right, so we're going to jump in here with this research partly from the Academic Journal and a, a correlation between premarital counseling and marriage satisfaction. And researchers found that there was a direct link between marriage satisfaction and stability and premarital counseling. Men, okay, you may have to unpack this for me. No, you don't. I I got it. Good. Men men can relate to going into marriage without counseling is like a football team going into a game without a game plan. Right. 
Yeah. In other words, they look like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year. Uh, and I did did I say that out loud? I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Sorry, they messed with my fantasy leagues this year. Yeah. So okay, I I get that. You know, you've got to have a plan going forward. Right. And, and supramarital will help you do that. Yeah. And and it's about direction. You know, it's without a vision that people perish. Well, there's a reason behind that, and. I remember all these hundreds of years ago when we said, <laughs> before we said I do, what we did was we talked about what we wanted in our marriage with, we were going to start each day with prayer and devotions and that we were going to have a God-centered marriage. Well, all these hundreds of years later, we are very thankful that we did. And now that they finished the, the New Testament for you, yeah. you can, <laughs> you can use that. Got married so long ago, Moses gave it to him directly. Okay, all right, sorry. Uh, This is good. Another researcher found that good premarital counseling reduces chances of divorce by up to 30%. Now, that to me seems like a significant number. It is. And so it shows that you get started off on the right step. There are things that you would pick up, and I can think about that in when I've done premarital with couples, that they really misunderstood. Uh, I, I have one that's coming up uh, in, in later in 2023 where future husband looked at me, he says, can you make this relate to golf and football? <laughs> Yes, yes, I can. <laughs> I said, you could count on it. We'll have a great time. Your future wife might just be shaking her head. But we'll... She may be second-guessing the process. but <laughs> Yeah, it may be ending shortly. Now, that leads me to two rabbit holes. All right. Hopefully, they'll be quick ones. Okay. How far out from the, from the marriage starting, from the wedding, should this counseling be done? Well, you know, the teacher in me, Scott, I would be okay if it were six months. If they said it's a, a year out, that's okay too because we really take our time going through it. If there's 15 key areas in the prepare assessment then and you did one a week, that's still 15 weeks. So say you did half a one a week. Now we're talking about 30 weeks. And now you're almost, you know, two-thirds of a year. Yeah. Yeah. And it develops, again, as I say, that trusted relationship where they feel uh, confident and safe in what they're hearing and are growing great fundamentals. And it gives a great chance to... Celebrate success. That's right. And then another thing it really increases the probabilities of is developing the communication highway. All right, second rabbit hole. All right. Is there a difference in your mind in the way you handle premarital counseling for the 21-year-old couple, they're just out of college, just starting their careers, versus the older couple that maybe um, maybe one's a widow and is marrying again, and they're in their, let's say, 40s? Yes, absolutely, there is a difference. The couple in their 40s have figured out which end of the toothpaste to squeeze. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but they've been squeezing that end for so long that, you know, yeah, if they that's don't right. match. Right. And so they are also could be a little more, as you said, a little more set in their ways. And so when we look at prepare, there's also a version of it that is called enrich for couples who are married but want to enrich it. Okay. And so what happens too is that when you fill out the information on the couple 
they also ask age and how many times they've been married and questions like that. So it's very likely that they begin to tailor the assessment on the, the age. In some of the, the newer prepare, it looks at things a little bit more clinically in terms of personalities and what kind of personality you have, how do you relate in that personality. Um, those things are important. Well, think about the 40-year-old and what's important to them versus what was important to the 20-year-old or 22-year-old that was getting married. They're, they're likely different. So anyway, yeah, it's definitely important. It speaks to one of my important clinical thoughts, but also what was very real as a teacher also, is to take my patient, target, student, call it what you want, (laughs) at face value where they are, and then help them grow from there. See, that sounds an awful lot like the way God handles us. Isn't that interesting? Take you right where you are and go from there. Yeah. You don't have to wait to be perfect before you come to Jesus. Absolutely. And then begin to meet their needs right then and there. It's fantastic. Wow. All right. So we're talking about the relationship between pyramidal counseling and marital success today on the session. And if you came in in the middle, no worries. You can catch the whole thing on the podcast network at risefmohio.com. So this research that we're looking at talks about how premarital counseling helps ensure that couples have a strong, healthy relationship and are given a better chance for a stable and satisfying marriage. And is a lot of that, Tom, related to just the communication highway that starts? Yeah. Does Well, okay, we'll, well, I'll hold well, off on that question before I get into prepare, when we get into prepare a little more okay. detail. What makes that communication highway hard for a new couple? Well, this one is kind of hard for people to grasp, but it goes on. There, there's a subtle battle for power or in controlling the territory. So oftentimes that's where it happens is on the communication highway. They want to have control. There's a certain amount of power associated with control. So consequently, they're going to do things to have it. And that's one of the things that premarital counseling can intercept. We can see it, we can talk about it, and we can talk about, well, to the one who doesn't appear to have the power, how do you feel when you hear those kinds of things? Put into words what that was like. The reason behind wanting the control or power is usually an unhealthy, bad experience in history. So let me give you an an example. We've talked about marriage management by sibling rivalry, where they have some treatment or management of their relationship like they would have treated their sibling, except they didn't like their sibling. (laughs) (laughs) And then also, when they had a domineering, opposite-sexed parent, so for the son, you know, their mom was domineering, or for the daughter, the dad was, then they're likely going to want to have control or this thought inside of them, I'm not going to be treated in this marriage like I was growing up. So, so you take control to make sure that doesn't happen. Exactly. Now, there's some research done by an uh, individual named Teal back in 2018. The couples were advised to discuss numerous topics, including intimacy, affection and sex, communication skills, finances and money management, children and parenting, and roles in the marriage. And this kind of sounds like we're setting up for prepare here because that sounds a lot like what right. you're going to discuss and prepare. 
When we look at the top five intimacy needs, we've called it the five-cylinder intimacy engine because it drives intimacy. This I remind couples of on a regular basis, and it's almost like a head-scratcher to them, <laughs> and to me too. Then I said, you know, you guys realize that at some point in your history together, you liked how it felt emotionally to be together, or you would have never gotten married. Oh, yeah. You mean I liked her once upon a time? (laughs) Yeah. So what ends up happening then is because of several things. One, how they manage conflict, how they manage the marriage. You'd be amazed at some of the times when I ask a couple, well, when was the last time you guys had a date? And they look at each other and they're, well, let's see, this is... January. What was it? In- when was the youngest born? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of stuff like that. So how does that impact the emotional connection that they had? Now they're running it through their children and that's not good either. I still, and, and you know, Scott, we're talking about all these hundreds of years. I look back at some of the things we have done in terms of dating, in terms of the 24-hour getaways, the 48-hour getaways, those are memories that I'll have the rest of my life. And it's just awesome. Well, that, that kind of leads us right into, and I know Ralston's study kind of goes into this too with the premarital counseling is meant to equip couples. So let's just dive into equipping couples. Okay. You go through a heritage program called Prepare. Right. All right. So let's kind of talk about what Prepare is briefly. Well, f- Prepare is an assessment Uh, historically, when I first became a counselor and became a prepare provider, there was 15 key areas covered with 85 to 88% accuracy, any weaknesses, possible weaknesses, possible strengths or strengths. And so what happens then is you can go over and identify the weaknesses, you can't fail the thing. So it's just a matter of, it helps you identify where the weaknesses are and you work on those. And in the process, when it's a strength, we celebrate success. success. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Some research would support that even more that that's the number one way you can grow a marriage is to celebrate its success. So 15 key areas. So it's very thorough. And so they they talk about things like what we just talked about. Some of the topics, including intimacy, affection. It also talks about finances. It also talks about parenting. I I think it's so cute in how they laid out in Prepare originally that it was, they talked about intimacy. The very next section they talked about was parenting. (laughs) (laughs) Because usually one leads to the other. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I always giggled at it. I thought that was really good. How you get along with uh, her friends and his friends for her parenting? How do you how do you feel about your in laws? It would go into family of origin and what that was like for you. What your concept of family looked like back then, which would be like on a continuum of not connected to connected, strong versus weak it would help you zero in on you. You saw family as very connected and very close and Cherry's email didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let me kind of, let's kind of 
go through a little bit of this then. Okay. Have you ever had a couple go through prepare and then look at each other and look at you and go, wow, we probably shouldn't do this? I've actually probably two or three times have had prepare that they ended up not. Did they ever come back later and have dealt with those issues and did it again and it and then they did get married? I have one couple who actually did say that to me, that, you know what, we are going to retreat, we're going to work on ourselves, and then, you know, we'll get back. Okay. And I and I noticed on Facebook, the status did not suggest that... <laughs> that it happened. Right. <laughs> so what happens when you get one of these situations like children? Okay. And you get one of them is like, you know what, I want the first kid nine months to the day. Right. And the other one goes... No, nine years maybe. <laughs> how how do you work through those with a couple? I think if we begin to talk about the communication highway, one of the things that I think is so important about the communication highway is that it's all marinated in, I want to say what Dr. Egrich has said, in my opinion, is one of the strongest things professionally to talk about with communication in marriage. And I also for hundreds of years have embraced it in mine, in ours. When our uh, men value what their wives say, they sow importance into what their wives say. They try to cherish their wives. They express love to them. Then our wives, when they respect us, we feel respected. They feel loved when they feel valued, cherished, and important. So when we marinate the conversation about when are we going to have children, and it's based on those ingredients, she can respect what he's saying. He can value what she's saying. And it can be important. So we begin to help them do that, to talk about what's important, what's not. And so consequently, as that plays out, then it's also important to say to them, well, you know, you might want to hear what some people who have written about that would say. And when and how soon should you have children in your marriage? Now, Kathy and I waited five years before we had our first. And if it's okay to say, <laughs> I still giggle about this every time I think about it. When I said to my mom, I said, Mom, guess what? We're going to have a child. Her response to me was, Tom, do you know what causes that? <laughs> <laughs> I've been known to do that to, to couples at church and they'll, yeah, we just found out we're expecting. Yeah, they know what causes that now. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, Mom, we've been married five years. We never, we wondered how that, yeah. You, but anyway, now... We're very thankful we waited five, and we're glad we did it just at five, and we didn't wait too long because I was, I think, safe to say an afterthought for my parents. They were 40. Yeah. And so by the time I am 15, they're 55. That was just very difficult in the first place. On the other hand, let's not forget that research also talks about how when you say I do, it's like birthing a marriage. So 
you want that marriage to get some life experience, let some grass grow under its feet, and you guys get secure in what you're enjoying. Because when you have a baby, you're going to enter into a next stage of marriage where it's married with children. You know, you that stage can be challenging, and particularly for those couples who are outnumbered now. <laughs> 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 yeah, and you were outnumbered for quite a while. Oh, well, we were. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And that could be a whole nother show, communication <laughs> when you're outnumbered. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yes. So, Tom, let's kind of let's kind of put a bow on this. How we talked about how long it typically would take to go through prepare and that could be any really up to the couple. Right. You know, it could be 15 weeks, it could be 52 weeks, it really doesn't matter. Right. Um, is it something that you want that you want to do continuously? You don't want to like take a month off, right? You don't do Christmas break. You kind of, I mean, you take the obvious hot maybe Christmas week, but right, you know. But it's something you want to keep with everything, right? And if in fact they have you know something come up, then that we might miss a week or two in there it's not as catastrophic because we've got all kinds of time that we're working with i like the fact that it's about teaching and learning and so when there's an area that we have we should spend weeks on until they feel comfortable isn't that the goal Uh so if it goes longer great but if you don't have that time it makes it a little more intense and i don't feel as confident and comfortable that they are on the right page with it All right, last question before we go. All right. Have you ever had a parent want to come with a couple? Heaven's so. Thank (laughs) heaven for that. Oh, wow. That would be the first issue. (laughs) Yeah. Which Uh, one? (laughs) I do believe they call that a helicopter parent. Oh, definitely. (laughs) Yeah, that in, in clinical terms could be a very serious case of what we call enmeshment where one of those two that are getting married really does not have their own life. There might be some vicarious living going through. Uh And poor mom is trying to say, she's not good enough for my little boy. That's true. And when he begins to compare his future wife to his mom, but he lets his future wife know, well, you didn't cook the eggs like mom did. He's likely going to be wearing this. <laughs> or getting very familiar with the couch. That's right. <laughs> All right. So if a couple wants to talk to you about prepare, or maybe there is a uh, couple that's been married a while, and they're like, you know what? Some of this marital counseling, even though we've been married for a while. Right. Maybe, maybe we've been married hundreds of years. <laughs> you know? And still some counseling maybe going through, like you said, enrich for a couple that wants to kind of reset the clock kind of thing. So how can they get hold of you to start a conversation? Well, I can be reached at heritagechristiancounselingministries.com. My email, tom.hccm at gmail.com. And one last thing to mention before we let you go here on Rise FM. Thank you, first of all, for listening. And your input is really, really valuable and really coveted by Tom and I. And if there is a topic you would like us to cover, like recently, uh, two topics that we covered were actually suggested by listeners to the session. And if there is something in your world, something about faith, something about family, 
something about integrating faith into your family. Maybe there's a, a Bible study you'd like us to do around a particular topic. We would be more than happy to look into that and to reach us. It's really very simple. You can send an email to me directly, scott at risefmohio.com. Or as Tom mentioned earlier, you can shoot Tom an email. It is tom.hccm at gmail.com. And your input would be a great thing. We would love to hear from you. Comments about the show, suggestions for topics. We'd just really value that. Thanks for joining us for the session. Thank you for joining us for this session. You can listen to previous episodes on the podcast network at risefmohio.com or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find out more about Tom Russell at heritagechristiancounselingministries.com. 